Immerse yourself in rich biblical history and Christian heritage with Vision Tours. Exploring Australia, the Holy Lands and other global destinations. Forge bonds of lasting friendship as you fellowship with like-minded believers and discover a new richness in your faith in Christ and a broader understanding of the world's Christian heritage. Enjoy the fellowship of a lifetime with Vision Tours. Explore upcoming tour packages at vision.org.au slash tours. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Is your whole Christian life dependent on someone else? Maybe your parents, maybe your husband or your wife or someone else. But the moment they're not there with you, you just collapse. Listen, can I just say two words to you? Grow up. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that God wants a personal one-on-one relationship with each of us, and He wants us to work at it. Work out your own salvation. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear when the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Some people say absence makes the heart grow fonder while others say, out of sight, out of mind. The truth is, every relationship requires connection. What do we say about friends who've drifted out of our lives? Oh, so-and-so is somebody that I used to know. The same goes for our relationship with God. It's a connection that needs to be maintained. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that connection is one of the keys to finding real happiness in life. Okay, quick poll. How many of you love to exercise? You love to work out? Raise your hand up, okay? How many of you hate exercise and you hate to work out? Raise your hand up. Oh, interesting. It's about even. I do it, but I hate it. And you know, there's reasons. You know, you do it. You want to stay fit, as fit as you can be. Uh, Or maybe you go to a doctor and he says, you know what? You need to work out more because uh, maybe you're having heart problems. So you go and buy a treadmill and you buy some other equipment to put it in your house and then you almost have a heart attack when you find out how much it costs, right? I mean, it's crazy, the expense. So then maybe you go and decide to join a gym instead. And let's just be honest, really strange people hang out in gyms, okay? It's a, I go to a gym twice a week and, and it's, it's a good gym, you know, and I've been to gyms over the years and there's, there's certain kinds of people in gyms. First of all, there's the guy who always puts too much weight on, on the barbell or whatever it is, too much weight. He does three or four reps. He makes too much noise. But the guy that drives me crazy, and there's always one of these guys in every gym, he's the guy who sweats too much, right? And then they leave the sweat on the bench. You know, it's like, and you go over and you're looking at a pool of sweat. Or 
I knew a guy that used to get on a treadmill and he perspired so much, literally, I'm not exaggerating, there would be puddles around it afterwards. People wouldn't get in the treadmill on his right or his left, you know? So it, there's always these strange people that, that hang up, but you know, maybe you decide, you know, I wanna try to get in shape and exercise a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm up to 100 crunches a day, by the way. Pretty good, yeah. Nestle's crunches, very good. <laughs> but then, you know, sometimes if you haven't worked out for a long time, you go to a gym and you maybe overdo it, and then you're so sore the next day, you never want to go back to the gym again. Well, look, we, we need to stay in the best shape we can stay in because the Bible says our body is the temple of God, right? First uh, Thessalonians 5 says, uh, May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, spirit, soul, and body. I'm not a disembodied spirit. God has placed my soul in a body. So I want to take the best care that I can of this body. The Bible says, of course, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Some will quote that as a rationalization to never work out. But the Bible actually says it profits a little, you know, so it profits some. Now if you work out and you're more focused on your body than you are in your spirit, you have your priorities out of whack. But if you only think about your spiritual life and you never do anything to maintain your physical health, that also is an imbalance. So you want to find that right balance, that sweet spot in there. And I, I bring that up because that is true spiritually as well. We need to work out what God has worked in. So let's look at our text. It's Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. Paul writes and says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life, so I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. We'll stop there. So Paul says, work out your own salvation. Notice your own. Underline those two words, your own salvation. You can't hire someone to work out for you. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, I feel like going to the gym, go work out for me, I'll pay you for it. Well, that may benefit the person who's working out, but it won't have any effect on you. You can't have someone get saved for you either. <laughs> it's your own salvation. It's a personal choice. Look at verse 12 again. Paul says, My beloved, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also more in my absence. Remember, Paul wrote this from prison, and he had a special bond with the Christians in Philippi. That's the epistle that we're looking at. It's to the believers there. We call it the book of Philippians, but it's a, a letter to people living in Philippi. And uh, he loved these folks and they loved him. And so they were in great agony when they found out Paul was in prison. And so he's saying, guys, it's okay. I'm okay and you're okay. 
Uh, in fact, in verse 12 from the New Living Translation, it would go as follows. Dear friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you, but now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Basically, Paul's saying, look, I know you guys love me, and I love you, and I wish I could be there with you, but I need to tell you something. You need to grow up spiritually. In other words, don't start slacking because I'm not there, uh, because it's God that works in you. It's not Paul that works in you, both the will and do of God's good pleasure. It's God that is working in you, because there might be some there, there might have been some there, I should say, that thought they needed Paul around to live the Christian life. And how awesome it would have been to have Paul as your pastor. I mean, a living, breathing apostle, or John, or James, or some of the others. But Paul's saying, look guys, I, I can't be with you, so you need to grow up spiritually. And this can happen with us as well. Uh, we can find ourselves too dependent on people for our spiritual growth. And listen to this, sometimes people can become idols in our life. Uh, this happened to the children of Israel. Uh, Moses led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness. He wasn't able to bring them actually into the promised land, but you remember on one occasion he had to leave the Israelites because God had summoned him to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments. And in his absence, Moses left Aaron, his brother, as their babysitter, which was a very bad choice uh, because everything fell apart because basically after Moses had been gone for a while, the people came to Aaron and they said, uh, hey, where is this man Moses in Exodus 32 who brought us out of Egypt? Make us some gods who can lead us because we don't know where Moses has gone. Now why didn't they say, hey, the Lord is the one who's led us out of Egypt? No, they said, Moses did it. Moses led us out of Egypt, and if Moses is gone, we need another God to take his place. So it was Aaron that had the bright idea to bring all of their gold and all their bling, and he was gonna melt it in the shape of a golden calf, which would have been one of the images that they would have been accustomed to in Egypt. And, and then they're worshiping this golden calf. Meanwhile, up in Mount Sinai, Moses is done receiving the commandments. He's walking down with these tablets written with the very finger of God. And he hears noise back in the camp. It sounds like some kind of a war. And it turns out they're actually having a party. And he comes down and finds the Israelites dancing naked in front of a golden calf. Not good at all. And Aaron says, I know this looks bad. I can explain everything. <laughs> you see, what happened was we took our gold, we threw it in the fire, and the golden calf came out. So what else could we do but strip off our clothes and worship it? Uh, that's not what happened. You were the one that made the golden calf. You were the one that told them to bring the gold. But here was the problem. Moses was their first god and the golden calf was their second. They let Moses take the place of God in their life. Is that happening to you? Is your whole Christian life dependent on someone else? Maybe your parents, maybe your husband or your wife or someone else. And you know, if they're not around, you just fall apart. As long as a strong believer is in your life, you're good. 
But the moment they're not there with you, you just collapse. Listen, can I just say two words to you? Grow up. <laughs> Grow up and become a man of God. Grow up and be a woman of God. And build your relationship on God because there's one thing you can be sure of in life. Maybe two things, many more things, but I'll just say two for now. You can always be sure that God will be there for you. And number two, you can always be sure that eventually people will let you down. People will let you down. You know why? Because they're sinful just like you are. <laughs> and we're all gonna fall short. We're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna disappoint. You know, maybe that husband uh, walks with the Lord or at least goes to church because the wife does. And so one day if she stops going to church, he stops too. Or the children, you know, they went to church and mom and dad took them, but when they get older, maybe they go to college and they're out on their own, they stop going to church. We must not let people take the place of God in our lives. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. Thanks for joining us. And today, Pastor Greg is presenting a message from his happiness series. It's called we can work it out. He's speaking from Philippians chapter 2. We're learning how to push toward maturity and happiness in our walk with God. Let's continue. Paul is saying, guys, come on, it's time to grow up. And how are they to do that? Verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. By the way, Paul did not say work for your own salvation. He said work out your own salvation. You can't work for your salvation. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, is a gift to you from God. The Bible says it is by faith through grace that you've been saved. Uh, not of yourself, it's the gift of God. So what does this mean then when Paul says work out your own salvation? Well remember he's addressing these words to Christians. Remember when we started this series, we pointed out that he addressed them as saints. Saint is an interchangeable word for Christian. So these words are written to believers. He's saying to followers of Jesus and really in effect to us as well, work out your own salvation. Uh, what does this mean? It means to live out one's faith. Another way to translate it would be work it to full completion. Work it to full completion. The idea is take what God has given you and work it out in your life. It would be like a conductor having an incredible musical composition handed to him and there is a whole orchestra. But notes don't jump off of paper and play themselves. You've got to read the music and then you've got to play the music. Everybody has to work out their part and play the music. The same is true for us. We need to work out what God has worked in. Actually, the phrase that Paul uses here also could speak of working a mine. Working a mine. You may have heard that there was a gold rush here in California years ago. And the story was there's so much gold in California, you'll find it laying on the streets, you'll find it in the streams. The expression was, there's gold in them thar hills. So people came literally from around the world in what was called the California Gold Rush. And everyone was looking for the gold. Well, what little gold was around was quickly removed, but there still was gold in the mines. And if people would take the time to go into the mine and dig deeply and be patient, 
they might find some of that gold and if they were really persistent, they might find the mother load, right? That big strain of gold deep inside of a mine. So God is saying to you, I've given you all this gold, it's all there, but you gotta work it out. You've gotta mine it. You need to discover it. But then he adds this distinction, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. By the way, Paul is not suggesting you can lose your salvation. I don't really think you can. I think it's a gift given to us by God. But what he is saying is as you work it out, recognize your own inability and innate weakness. Let me say something that might surprise you. The Christian life is not hard to live. It's impossible. <laughs> it is impossible to live as a Christian in this crazy culture we're in today apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So in my ability, I can't do it. In my strength, I can't keep the commandments. In my own skills, I, I can't do these things God calls me to do. But it is God that works in me both to will and do of His good pleasure. So work it out, carry it to the goal, complete it, but with self-distrust. And by the way, let me just say this to you. If you put your faith in Christ, let me take a quick poll. How many of you have put your faith in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand up. That's pretty much everyone. But I want you to leave this service knowing that your salvation is secure. Let me just fire a few verses at you and I'd encourage you to write these references down. Because sometimes the devil will attack us and he'll say to us, you're not a Christian. You're a hypocrite. God didn't save you. Christ hasn't come into your life. You psyched yourself into it. This isn't true. The Bible isn't true. None of it's true. Have any of you ever had doubts like that come to your mind? Raise your hand if you have. That's not a sin. That means you're a human. And just because a fiery dart or a doubtful thought comes to your mind doesn't mean that you're not a believer. It just means you're being attacked. So the best way to deflect those flaming arrows that come your way, be it a doubtful thought or a hopeless thought or a lustful thought or a hateful thought or whatever it might be, is filling your mind up with God's Word. Amen. So the devil attacked Jesus in the wilderness, right? And every time the devil tempted Jesus, Christ came back with these words, it is written. Hey, why don't you turn a rock into a piece of bread? Hey, it is written, Christ says, men shall live by God's word, not by bread alone. Hey, why don't you throw yourself off the top of the temple? It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He came back to God's word over and over. Here's a few verses that assure us that we're saved. First <laughs> John 5.10, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Romans 8, 16, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned and he's crossed over from death to life. He has it. It's yours. God's given it to you and God's not taking it back. It's yours to keep. And then of course my favorite assurance verse, 1 John 5.13, these things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
So the next time the devil comes to you and says, how do you know you're a Christian? You know, you're not perfect. You've sinned. Why do you think Christ would forgive you? Well, you know what? The Bible says these things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I know it. Quote it out loud. You know, it's not a bad thing to quote verses out loud. When the devil's attacking you, say, no, here's what the Bible says. And you quote the verse. It's a good thing to do. But, you know, sometimes people ask the question, can a Christian lose their salvation? Let me give you a short answer. Ready? No, I don't think so. But let me ask another question that I think addresses a deeper issue. I don't think the question should be, can a Christian lose their salvation? I think the question should be, did that Christian who's allegedly lost their salvation ever really have salvation to begin with, you see. Because if they did not bring forth what the Bible calls fruits in keeping with repentance, I would suggest to you that they never were a Christian at all. Hey, just because someone carries a Bible doesn't make them a Christian. Just because someone says, praise the Lord, it doesn't make them a Christian. The Bible says, even the demons believe and tremble. There has to be fruit or results in their life as they work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember Jesus told the parable of the sower and he talked about that seed that fell on ground that was embedded with rocks. And so the seed sprung up quickly but because the rocks were in the soil it could not sink its roots down deeply and it died in the blazing sun. And then Jesus went on to say, these are those that hear the word of God. Listen, and they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is that shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off or some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. So you don't work for your salvation, you work it out. Pastor Greg Laurie with some great insight on how we're to work out our own salvation. Well, next time on A New Beginning, we're asking, how can we know if our faith is genuine and if our commitment is real? Pastor Greg provides a five-part litmus test to help us to check up on ourselves and evaluate if our faith and commitment is genuine. Join us next time for A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called We Can Work It Out. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.